Thank you for listening to The Real Deal with Damian Adams. This is Real Sports Talk for the Real Sports Fan. And I definitely appreciate you, Real Sports fans, for listening right now. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, please do me a huge favor and leave this podcast a five-star rating. That one, two, three, four, fifth, that five-star rating review will definitely be appreciated. If you're listening on any other platform, that could be iHeartRadio, Podomatic, wherever, Google Podcasts, doesn't matter. Please share from that platform so that your friends and family can find the podcast, listen to the podcast, love the podcast, subscribe, and then share it with their friends and family. I'm trying to get this podcast to the highest levels of podcastivity, and I definitely need your help to get there. I would truly, truly appreciate it. Today is a very, very special episode. This is an annual tradition now with The Real Deal with Damian Adams. It's the 2023 Real Deal NBA Awards. So you know what the NBA awards we're gonna give out the traditional awards, rookie of the year, sixth man, most improved, MVP, all that. But we're also gonna give out some non-traditional awards. Most annoying player, biggest surprise team, most disappointing team. Among all the other things we do, all NBA. And of course, just my randomness that I'll have throughout the episode as I continue to talk and things pop into my head. So before we even start the episode, let's get into some women's college basketball. Now, I'm not going to act like I'm the biggest women's college basketball fan. I watch here and there, but I did get caught up in the excitement of you know, Caitlin Clark in Iowa and LSU with Angel Reese and South Carolina being undefeated. I got caught up in the tournament. And me and my wife sat down and watched the game on Sunday. And it was entertaining. Even though LSU pretty much dominated the game, it still was an entertaining game. and still had that just feeling of we don't know what's going to happen, right? Because Caitlin Clark... And Iowa can shoot the ball. And there were times where they felt like they were coming back. But LSU always had an answer for them. So shout out to LSU and their whole squad, right? You know, the star is Angel Reese. But you also have all the other role players that stepped up and came through in big moments, right? And after the game or during the end of the game, you saw Angel really... Handing it to Caitlin Clark, giving her the you can't see me, which some people call a yayo, some people call a John Cena. Pointing to a ring finger like I'm about to get this ring, you not, right? And it led to this just really, really ugly discussion, right? And there was a couple of big time figures in the sports game or sports journalism game, or sports talking head game, however you want to describe it, that really went at Angel in a, a way that was just ugly, right? Keith Oberman, who is honestly a legend in the game of sports journalism for all the stuff he's done throughout the years, he went at Angel Reese and called her a fucking idiot, right? He said, what a fucking idiot. And 
to go at somebody and call them an idiot. A fucking idiot. It's so nuts. So crazy. Especially when Overman gotta be at least, you know, 50, 55, somewhere in there. If not older. He's been around for a minute. And for him to go at a sophomore in college like that is nuts. Now, I don't want to say they're kids because I do struggle with that when people view college kids differently than people who are the same age and just happen to not go to college. And they are judged differently because they're not college kids. Like at the time that these college quote-unquote kids are you know enjoying an extended childhood basically that some people want to give them I was in the military at that age and I was viewed as a military man not a military kid and the consequences of my actions were viewed as that I think it should be the same for college students but at 33 I understand that they're gonna make mistakes between the ages of 18 to 22, I'm still making mistakes now. So I'm not going to judge them because I've been there, right? And I'm not even saying what Angel did was a mistake. I'm not. What I'm saying is she probably was a little extra. I think we can agree on that. But that's part of the game. When you win, you have bragging rights. That's what it is. So she had the right to brag. Now, would I, I could see me maybe doing one, you can't see me, but maybe following her around and doing it, probably wouldn't went that far with it. So I can see if somebody would have said, okay, it was a little over the top, cool. But the reaction to her maybe being a little extra, a little over the top, was so over the top with someone like Oldman saying she's a fucking idiot or... I think the dude who is the founder of Barstool Sports also said that she was classless and you have people coming at her in this way. Of course now it makes us African Americans, black people feel like we got a defender. We can't even admit that she was being a little extra now because you went so far in the opposite direction. So now I gotta be like, all right. We gotta go to war. And I hate the fact that it can't be some nuance. Yes, Angel had the right to brag. I can see if you thought it was a little bit extra. Because Caitlin Clark definitely talked some trash. But her trash talk wasn't to the extent of what Angel did. I get that. But again, it's between the lines. Right? And she did give her props afterwards. She said she's a great player. It wasn't like she didn't give her a props or she didn't respect her as a player. She just went a little bit overboard with the trash talking to him. A little bit. But then y'all went a lot of bit overboard with the reaction to it. So shout out to LSU. Shout out to Iowa. Uh, me being somebody who covers the WNBA. I hope to see them both in the future playing against each other in the WNBA doing big things. And hopefully the attention that college basketball gets the WNBA can get. Alright, I don't understand how college basketball can be so successful in what they do and get this much attention. Then you have the best players 
from college go to the WNBA and not get the same type of attention. And the thing is, the WNBA players are playing hard. I know some people are like, well, in college, you have the bigger stakes. It feels bigger because the kids, again, quote unquote kids, are playing and it's just for the passion of the game, which that's not true anymore, right? Some of these women are going to make more money in college through NIL than they're going to make in the WNBA. That money's going to continue to come because of their popularity in college. So the people who have shown up and shown out for the women's college game, do the same thing for the WNBA. Go support it. You want to see some great action? You thought this was great? Watch Caitlin Clark with other professionals and see how good she is. It's crazy. It's going to be crazy. So that's all I had to say about it. Like each side went too hard, right? But the side that was calling Angel Reese classless and idiot and all these different things, that was bananas. 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 If you thought she was a little over the top, cool, right? I play ball. I've had people that talk trash over the top. It happens. But you just like, all right, you know, they extra. Let's make sure they don't win. Like, that's whenever I have somebody who's extra, I'm like, all right, it's going to make me make sure they don't have something to talk about because I know they're going to go overboard with it. And that's what you got to do. You have somebody who's over the top in their celebrations and they're talking, shut them up on the court. That's what you got to do. I'm pretty sure they're going to schedule an Iowa-LSU game for next year. And both of these young ladies will be back next year, I believe. So you could get that. I mean, Iowa has a chance to shut her up if they want to. They just got to come and ball and bring it. Or they could see more John Cena, Tony Yayo, you can't see me, all up in your face if they can't stop it. That's why you play the game. So now let's get into the 2023 NBA Awards. Real deal NBA Awards. So what I do is go through all the categories. I'm going to give you three finalists for each category and then give you my winner. And just take my word for it. It's a gold-plated Real Deal Award that I sent out to all of the winners. I know you haven't seen one yet, a picture or a video of one yet, but you got to take my word for it that it really does exist and that is out there. So please go ahead and do that for me. Accept that. So let's start Rookie of the Year. Nominees are... Paolo Vanchero. This year he's played 71 games so far. Giving you 20 points per game, 6.4 rebounds per game. His efficiency isn't the best, but he's a rookie who had a heavy load, so you don't really expect him to be efficient. Shot 42% from the field, only 27% from three. But he has a good looking stroke. I think it's going to improve as his career goes along. He also shot 73% from the free throw line. Our second nominee, Jalen Williams. Played 73 games so far, 14.1 points per game, 4.5 rebounds per game, 3.3 assists per game. Shot 52% from the field, 35% from three. Our third nominee, Walker Kessler. Yes, uh, 74 games played so far, 9.2 points per game, but it's a minutes on the defensive end, 2.3 blocks per game, great protecting the rim, 8.4 rebounds. I see a young guy getting better and better as the years go along. So the winner is Paolo Banchero. Yes. Uh, make sure you look out for that gold-plated Real Deal Award coming to your house soon. 
Again, man, this dude has been balling all year. From start to finish, he pretty much had this award in hand. And you have to give him props for that, right? Because when you truly look at it, he's playing on a team that's been competitive. I know Orlando isn't going to make the play-in, but they've been a team that's been sneaky good all year. Like, they're a team that you don't just go in and say, oh, this is an automatic win. They're not Detroit. They're not Houston for most of the year. Not San Antonio. Like, you played Orlando, you knew you was in for a game. And Banchero was a part of that. He played in some important minutes. He played in some competitive games. Uh, so did Jalen Williams with OKC. They're going to be in the play-in most likely. But he wasn't carrying a load. Right? SGA, of course, carries a load for them. Banchero is a part of carrying a load along with Franz Wagner on that squad. And Markel Fultz. So Orlando's going to be a really good team here pretty soon. Pretty soon. Like, once the odds come out for next year, whatever the over-under is for Orlando, I'm going to take the over, and I'm going to pick them to make the playoffs. Heard it here first. Orlando's going to be a team to reckon with next season. So now let's go to sixth man of the year. Nominees are Emmanuel Quickly. Uh, he played in, so far... 78 games. I don't think he missed a game yet, or maybe he just missed one. 14.3 points per game, 4.1 rebounds per game, 3.3 assists per game, while shooting 44% from the floor and 36% from three. The next nominee is Malcolm Brogdon. Has played 65 games so far, 14.7 points per game, 4.2 rebounds, 3.7 assists, Shooting 48% from the floor, 44% from three, and 87% from the line. The third nominee is Bobby Portis. Played 67 games so far, 13.8 points per game, 9.5 rebounds, so damn near a double-double off the bench. Shooting 50% from the floor and 34% from three, 78% from the, the line. So this one's a tough one, man. I'm not going to lie to you. And I don't want to be biased. Right, my pick to start the year for six man was Malcolm Brogdon. So to get something right from start to finish like that is a dope thing for someone like myself because those victories don't happen too often. So you got to pat yourself on the back that he's even a finalist. You know what I'm saying? And I did pick Banchero for rookie of the year, but that was pretty easy. For this one, I am gonna go Malcolm Brogdon. The reason I went with Brogdon over quickly is that I thought Brogdon was more consistent in the efficiency numbers. Right. He's 4% better on the field, 8% better from three, and a lot better from free throw line, right? And hasn't had the chance to start like Quickly has and bring up his numbers, right? Quickly's had games where he's played 35, 40 minutes. So he's had games where he's had to play a lot more, shoot a lot more, and that has lifted up his numbers. Brogdon has done this all from the bench, playing his normal minutes, his normal rotation. So Malcolm Brogdon is my sixth man of the year so we're gonna go ahead and take our first music break have our first performance of the awards and it's all 90s throwback on this episode you know I just was in a 90s mood like I am most of the time so we're gonna take our first break and be right back
I love her like Egyptian on the description, my royal highness. So many pluses when I bust that there can't be no minus. Went from yelling crickets and crows, bitches and hoes and doing things. Over the years I've been up on my toes and yes, I sing things like Heroin. Shit, why? Because them folks might think you soft talking like that. Man, fuck them niggas, I'm going off and coming right back like boomerangs when you throw them. With these old poems, think it is better for them when they can let they throw them. Now from hitchhiking and fighting niggas into the temple, they call the body. Now everybody got it, had it, talked about it amongst their friends. Coming around my crew, the and jazz it, wanna pretend like you is good at folks you even bone that you got coats like act your function faces while our nation is a folk straight sinking I hate thinking that these the future mamas up by chilling they fucking a different nigga every time they get the feeling too I'm willing to go the extra kilo either just to see my senorita get her pillow on the side of my bed where no good ever stayed house and doctor was the games we used to play but now it's real jazz and bed Best of life, lots of steak and perry on. Smoking an ounce a week and every single day with personal treatment. Tricking these old and polo clothes, life that you can see, big bunch of conception. Deception. Living into your eyes, I see your weapon and it's depressing. The digging up in your thighs, even deposits, keeping your closets open. Knocking your boots and jaws, hoping to get you strong like hair bars. Steadily calling me ass one, cause you thinking that you my lady, bitch, don't play me cause you're dead. I wanted to hit that ass with me and the goodie, we got dang. So thank you. You wanted that stuff, don't play your list of game. You was the only one to blame. A nigga don't even know your name, it's a shame. Cracking them up and fucking a nigga like you pop up. I'm leaving these clothes to be the flowers awake. Don't beat me. See, I gotta be feeding my daughter. Teach her to be that. That's what we want. You'll be waiting to exhale while you other hoes be dumb.
Welcome back to The Real Deal with Damian Adams. Hopefully you enjoyed that music break. That was Outkast, Jazabelle, classic right there. One of my favorite songs of all time. So now let's get back into the awards. We already gave out two. We gave out Rookie of the Year and Sixth Man of the Year. Rookie of the Year went to Paolo Banchero. Sixth Man of the Year went to Malcolm Brogdon. Those gold-plated Real Deal Awards will be coming to you soon. Just don't show it because of the NDA that you got signed with it, all right? That's why you guys haven't seen them. But I promise you they do exist, all right? So now let's get into Defensive Player of the Year. This one was tough. Not going to lie to you, I went back and forth on this one. The nominees are Brooke Lopez. Now, Brooke Lopez has been balling out this entire season, has played 76 games so far for the Milwaukee Bucks, averaging 2.5 blocks per game. The Bucks are third in defensive rating and 11th against points in the paint, which you know falls on him in a major way. So you have to give him credit for this team being one of the best teams when it comes to stopping opponents from getting points in the paint and the fact that this team is third in defensive rating. Now, of course, they also have great defenders like Giannis and Drew to go along with Brook Lopez, but his impact as far as protecting the rim has been major this year. You have to give him credit for that. Second nominee, Jaron Jackson Jr. Now, he's only played 60 games. He missed a lot of the games to begin the year, came in late, but once he came in, was balling. Led the league this year on blocks with three blocks per game and has a 9.7% block rate when he's in the game. So the fact that he, when he's in the game, he's almost blocking 10% of the shots that go up against his team, which is, is nuts to think about, right? His block rate is crazy. His team is second in defensive rating, the Memphis Grizzlies, and they're fifth against points in the paint. Yo, and that's him. That's him blocking everything. Creating tough shots, layups, turning to floaters, floaters turning to mid-range, mid-range turning to three-pointers because of Jaron Jackson Jr. Third nominee, Bam Adebayo. Now, Bam Adebayo was my pick to start the year, and he lived up to it. Balling out this year, 72 games played, 1.2 blocks per game, 0.8 steals per game. They're third in points against in the paint, ninth in defensive rating the Miami Heat are. And Bam Adebayo isn't going to do it the way that Jackson does it or the way that Lopez does it. He's very versatile. His switchability is what makes him great. I love the story he told when he was a guest on the Low Post last year, I believe. He told a story about his workout that he did pre-draft with the Miami Heat and how they kept having him switch out to guard these guards, basically trying to see if he could do it. And that's what they liked about him. And he took it as a challenge, right, and cursed at him like, oh, y'all going to keep doing it? Let's go. And that type of mindset got him drafted by the Miami Heat, and obviously it was a good decision. So the winner is Jaron Jackson Jr. Gotta go with him, man. You see what he's doing for that Memphis defense. They've been through a lot this year, right? The whole jaw drama, Dylan Brooks, injuries to Steven Adams and Brandon Clark, and they still have one of the best defenses in the league. That's Jaron Jackson Jr. So, shout out to him. That gold-plated Real Deal Award is on his way for you. For our next award, Most Improved Player. This player, you can say, was really putting in the work during the summertime. See what I did there? So, <laughs> let's talk about the nominees for Most Improved Player. First, Laurie Marketing. Laurie Marketing has played 66 games so far. 
And it's one week left. The reason I'm doing the Real Deal Awards now is that next week I want to focus on play-in preview and playoff previews for the episode. And we're going to get in-depth into the preview. So I wanted to make sure I got the awards out of the way now. So 66 games played for Laurie Marketing. Last year he averaged 14.8 points per game. Increased that this year to 25.6. Went from 5.7 rebounds to 8.6 rebounds. He became more efficient with more responsibility, which is a major thing for me. Went from shooting 44% from the field to 50% from the field. Went from 35% from three to 39% from three. The improvement is crazy. Like, it's, it's the efficiency for me. Like, dude was out here balling while also taking more shots and being more efficient. Shout out to Laurie Marketing. Our second, second nominee, excuse me, is SGA. Shea Gilgis Alexander has played 66 games so far, and he reminds me of John Morant last year. John Morant won Most Improved Player, and a lot of people had problems with that because they considered him a star already. But he went from a star to a superstar last year. And I feel like SGA is done that same thing. He went from a star to a superstar. He went from averaging 24.5 points per game last year to 31.5 this year. Shot 45% last season, 51% this year on more shots. Went from 30% from three to 34% from three. And also improved at the free throw line from 81% to 90%. Craziness. Great improvement from SGA. For our third nominee, Jalen Brunson. Now, Jalen Brunson has played 68 games so far. 16.3 points per game last year. Brought that up to 24 points per game this year. Went from 4.8 assists to 6.2 assists and increased his three-point percentage from 37 to 41. Now, Jalen Brunson is a little different because he changed roles, right? He went from being the second guy behind Luka, who's going to have, you know, an extremely high usage rate, to now being the lead guard for the Knicks. Even though Julius Randle is going to score more points, Jalen Brunson is really the key that makes that car go. And you saw it this year from Jalen Brunson. Uh, this one I went back and forth on, but I decided that the winner is Laurie Marketing. Uh, the improvement, man, is crazy. Again, 14.8 points per game to 25.6, 5.7 rebounds to 8.6, and then the shoot from 44% to 50% shooting, 35% to 39% from three, all while handling a bigger load this year. That's crazy. So shout out to Laurie Marketing. Look out for that real deal. Gold-plated award. 24-karat gold-plated award coming to you soon. Again, don't show it to nobody, though. Take my word for it. So now let's get to Coach of the Year. Got some good nominees for this one. First nominee is Joe Mazzula. Now, Joe mazula has been, been criticized for some of his coaching techniques. Uh, some people don't like the way that he uses timeouts or the lack of using timeouts. And... Some people don't think that, you know, he's been making the right decisions as far as who's playing in the game at certain times. But the Celtics have still been good, right? People like myself expected him to take a step back because of the loss of Ime Yudoka. But he was able to ride the ship and keep it on course. They are sixth in offense. They are second in Eastern Conference, fourth in defensive rating. And when I look at defense, I really look at coaching for that, right? Coaching is what 
has that there. I know that the foundation for that team was already there with Emilia Doka and even Brad Stevens for them to be good defensively. But Joe Mazzula had to come in and make sure that they continued that, and he did do that. Second nominee, Mike Brown. The Kings, for the first time since 2006, are in the playoffs. That's crazy. The number one song in the country was Temperature by Sean Paul. Remember Sean Paul? Was killing the game in the reggae game? He was number one in the country last time they went to the playoffs. Last time they went to the playoffs, I was a sophomore in high school. I'm old now. Right? <laughs> last time they went to the playoffs, he was wearing 3X tall tees and Jabot jeans. The last time the Kings went to the playoffs, Soldier Boy was still internet famous. Last time the Kings went to the playoffs, Kanye West wasn't crazy. Last time the Kings went to the playoffs. So many things have changed. So many things have changed since then. So you got to give respect to him changing the culture there, right? Now, defensively, not good. But they know what they do. They know their strengths is offense, right? They're first in points per game and third in the Western Conference as far as record. So shout out to Mike Brown for really turning it around there in Sacramento. Third nominee, Michael Malone for the Nuggets. Nuggets are first in the Western Conference. Ninth in defense, which you don't expect from a team with Jokic at center. Usually expect them to struggle on defense, but they've been decent this year. Tenth in offense. And have been leading the Western Conference pretty much the whole way. Right? You had some times at the beginning of the year where New Orleans and Sacramento kind of floated with that, that first seed. But the whole time, the Nuggets held it down. So you got to give respect to that for a start to finish, especially in the Western Conference where it's real crazy this year. We're going to get to it at the end of the show, talk about how the 5th through 8th seed all have the same amount of losses right now. It's nuts. We have no idea who's going to be in those 5 through 8 spots, who's going to be playing in the play-in, or who's going to be facing Phoenix in that first round, or maybe the Kings. We have no idea. It's all up in the air right now. But even with the West being so crazy, the Nuggets have stayed in a decent position. Big thanks to Mike Malone. So the winner for Coach of the Year... Gotta go Mike Brown, man. Mike Brown, I made all those jokes about Sacramento Kings and the last time they made it to the playoffs. But it's been a minute. It's been a minute. And to go there and overcome that means something. It does. And the Kings, people expected the Kings to be better this year, right? Some people even picked them to make the playoffs. They're like, I can see them getting the play-in and maybe winning a play-in game and getting to the playoffs and, you know, getting so about the first round. No one expected them to have home court advantage. What? Home court advantage? No one expected that. So now you got to look at it like, okay, I see what you're doing here. I see, you know, why you are where you are. Mike Brown really pushes them, and that's gotten the best out of De'Aaron Fox, out of Harrison Barnes, out of Keegan, out of Demata Sabonis, that whole squad. So Mike Brown definitely deserves that. So for the next award... <laughs> Most annoying player. Yes. Most annoying player this year. Nominees are Dylan Brooks, Draymond Green, Luka Dantich, Patrick Beverly. So Dylan Brooks, the reason he made the list for most annoying player 
He just does too much. He be doing way too much. And I respect the fact that he's gonna talk, and that's what he's gonna do. Like, if people think that Angel Reese did too much, they haven't watched Memphis play this year and Dylan Brooks. But Dylan Brooks, it's it's a little over the top for a player of his caliber, right? He had he's shown up to games looking like a GTA villain, Grand Theft Auto for you non-gamers out there. And I think it's just a little bit over the top. Draymond Green, do I need to explain? Draymond's always over the top. Complains about every call. Always clapping. Talking the most. And Draymond is an elite role player. Right? He's going to mess around and get into the Hall of Fame off being what he is. Right? So I understand why he does it. It's brought him success. But it's annoying as hell. Luka Doncic. Luka complains on every call. Everything's an and one. Everything's a foul. His body language is horrible. Horrible. And it's just annoying at this point. He's a great player. Great player. Going to go down if he continues to play like this for the next 10, 12 years. He's going to go down as one of the best of all time. But let's not act like it's not annoying. He's got to be up there. Patrick Beverly. <laughs> Patrick Beverly has been, when he was with the Lakers, he was doing nothing. Nothing. Uh, with Chicago, he's been playing a little better, had some moments. You know, he did a too small LeBron, right? But Pat Bab could be annoying. He'd be doing too much. And you got to put him in the, in the fray right there. If I'm missing anybody from most annoying player, please let me know. But these four right here take the cake. And I got a tie for this year for the awards. Dylan Brooks and Draymond Green for the, the beef they've had with each other, for what they do on the court. I know that's their role. But it's annoying. Luca is right there, though. Don't get me twisted. Like Luca definitely came very close to winning the award for all the complaining he does on the court. NBA players in general, like, I need y'all to start complaining so much. And I get it, right? I'm somebody who's complained to referee once or twice in my, you know, playing days. I get it. It could be very frustrating when you think the refs suck, but you guys have the best refs in the world. Now the refs have had some bad moments. Don't get me don't get it twisted. Like, don't get me wrong. But they're still the best. And they still get it right most of the time. It's not like you got, you know, the refs I deal with in regular adult rec leagues that just be out there to get the little twenty dollars. You know what I'm saying? Like, you got professionals that are doing a good job. And unless they are unprofessional or you feel like they're targeting you like Fred Van Vliet felt that that referee was doing to him, then that's when you have to step out there and say something about it. But outside of that, man, play the game. Play the game. All right, most disappointing player. Now, this one can go a lot of different ways, right? Some people may say you can go by injury, right? You can pick Zion. Zion started the year off amazing. Pulled a hamstring has been gone for the last three months. Got hurt on January 2nd. It's April 3rd now. He's still out. Hopefully he'll be back this week. Hopefully. That's disappointing though. For sure. Rudy Gobert. The Minnesota Timberwolves are fighting to stay in the play-in. Not securing the playoff spot, but play-in. After making that trade, giving up everything. They gave up social security number, birth certificate, 
their whole identity to get Rudy Gobert. And it's led to them being ninth in the West right now. Yo, disappointing. Now, of course, Carney Towns being hurt for most of the year didn't help. But even when he was playing, it wasn't looking good. They started to find some type of cohesion, you know, later in the year when they got used to him not being there. Now he's back, and they're back to sputtering again. Rudy Gobert has to be there as most disappointing. Bradley Bill. Now, some people may be surprised by that because his stats look good, right? Bradley Bill, 23.2 points per game, 5.4 assists, 50% from the field, 36% from three. But when you get that contract, five years, $250 million, good Lord, that's a lot of money. When you get that much money, you're supposed to be able to lift your team up. And the Wizards, shout out to my man Savage from 3 The Hardaway Podcast. He said this as well. They're the most mid-franchise in the NBA. And I'll take it even further. They're the most mid-franchise in sports. Like, they won a championship back with what's unsailed. And what that was, 78 or 79? And since then... Haven't won 50 games in a season. Not once. Got close. I think they had a 49-win season. But have been just okay for a very long time. Never bad enough to truly get the best of the best. Like, they got Chris Webber for one year. Oh, no, that was that was Golden State, my fault. But even when they got Chris Webber, didn't really do much with him. Had the Gilbert Arenas years. You know, second round of playoffs. The John, healthy John Wall, Brad Bill years. Second round of playoffs. And that's how mid they've been. I forgot they had Chris Webber for that long. <laughs> And then he's let him go Sacramento. So you really wonder, will this team will ever be more than just meh? Just meh. So because Bradley Bill can't lead them out of meh, I'm going to go with Bradley Bill as my most disappointing player. Most disappointing team. Dallas Mavericks. Gotta be. Gotta be. Last year they go to the Western Conference Finals. This year, not gonna get in the play in. They still got a shot. They not they not mathematically eliminated yet. But looks pretty bad. They've gotten worse by adding Kyrie Irving. How does that happen? And it's not Kyrie's fault. I know that Kyrie's the easy one to blame here. But you got to look at the squad. You got to look at the coaching. Jason Kidd, last year, had his team hitting on all cylinders, right? And I love the video of him yelling out directions as they were on defense, running all around, right? Another part of it is Luka. Last year, Luka was willing to, especially in the playoffs, after the Phoenix Suns tried to expose him and tried to do what I call seek and destroy offense, where they seek out one guy and try to destroy him. 
after he got seeked and destroyed, he brought it, and they won that series. And their defense was really good. Now, they did lose some of those defensive players, Dorian Finney-Smith. Those guys, those role players were important. And you're just not going to be able to outscore people every night. And that's what you're seeing right now. And again, Jason Kidd, some of his lineup decisions, some of the quotes he's had after the games, this hasn't been good. So the most disappointing team is Dallas. Uh, most surprising team I talked about already, Sacramento. Come on now. No one expected this. Third seed in the Western Conference, no one expected that. So shout out to Sacramento is my most surprising team. Dallas, I don't know how you're going to go forward from here to get better. You know, but something's got to happen. Something's got to happen there. So we're going to go ahead and take our next music break. When we come back, MVP, All-NBA, we'll get into it. We'll be right back. And let you know everything will be alright. 
Welcome back to The Real Deal with Damian Adams. Hopefully you enjoyed the awards so far and the music breaks. Just to give you a recap of what we've given out so far. For Rookie of the Year, it was Paolo Banchero. Sixth Man of the Year, Malcolm Brogdon. Defensive Player of the Year, Jaron Jackson Jr. Most Improved, Larry Marketing. Coach of the Year, Mike Brown. Most Annoying Player was a tie between Dylan Brooks and Draymond Green. Most disappointing player I gave to Bradley Bill and Rudy Gobert. Uh, most disappointing team, Dallas Mavericks. Most surprising team, the Sacramento Kings. So now let's get into MVP. Now, with the MVP award, what I'm going to do is I'm just give you my top five. And let's go from there. So number five, I have Donovan Mitchell. Yeah, so Donovan Mitchell will be on my MVP ballot one day. You know, I ain't got no vote this year. So if, you know, five, ten years from now, he still is playing, getting MVP like numbers, maybe he'll be on my ballot then. But this year, he's on my real deal ballot. 28 points per game, 4.4 assists per game, shooting 48% from the field, 38% from three, shooting 86% from the free throw line. And the Cavaliers are fourth in the Eastern Conference. When you watch them play, you see them play hard on both ends. Donovan Mitchell, who was known as a defensive liability in Utah, has totally transformed on defensive end for Cleveland. So I love what I'm seeing there, and that's why I got my number five. Number four, I got Jason Tatum. Jason Tatum's played 72 games so far this year, so I got to give respect to that. 30.3 points per game, 8.9 rebounds, 4.6 assists per game. Shooting 46% from the floor, 35% from three, 85% from the free throw line on 8.4 free throw attempts per game. Like the aggressiveness of him driving to the rim. He's had some ups and downs this year as far as his performance and efficiency. But look at the totality of the year. Got to give Jason Tatum respect having number four. Number three, Giannis Antetokounmpo. Played 62 games so far. 31.1 points per game, 11.8 rebounds, 5.6 assists, shooting 55% from the floor. The Milwaukee Bucks are first in the Eastern Conference, best record in the NBA. And his defense is absolutely phenomenal. 
Lee does on both ends is crazy. Give that dude his respect. Number three in the MVP conversation. Now this is where it gets tough. Who's the runner-up? Gotta go to Nikola Jokic, number two. 24.9 points per game, 11.9 rebounds, 9.9 assists. So basically a triple-double. Uh, 63% from the floor, 40% from three, 82% from the free throw line. The reason he's not number one is that defensively he's not going to have the impact of a Giannis. The impact of the real deal MVP, Joel Embiid. Joel Embiid, 33 points per game, 10.2 rebounds, 4.2 assists, shot 54% from the floor, 33% from three, 85% from the free throw line on 11.8 free throw attempts a game, 1.7 blocks, 1.5 steals per game, or one steal per game, excuse me, and they're third in Eastern Conference in record. And he's played 64 games this year, so he's only three games behind Nikola Jokic. So usually, you know, Nikola Jokic had the edge there, but not so much this year. So Joel Embiid has got the real MVP, and we'll see if he gets the quote-unquote real MVP but you will get the gold-plated one coming towards your door next next couple days so a couple people who are just out on the outside looking in my top five Steph Curry Luka Doncic Steph Curry just games played Luka with the downward spiral that the Mavs have been in he fell out my top five so now let's get into the all NBA teams. This, not gonna lie to you, this was very tough to pick 15 players who deserve to be all NBA. Yeah, this one, this one was tough. So let's get into it. All NBA first team. Gotta go with Luca as an all NBA first guard. 32.8 points per game, 8.7 rebounds, 8.1 assists. 49% from the field, 34% from three, 74% from the free throw line on 10.6 free throw attempts per game. He fell out of my top five as far as MVP, but I still think he's a first team guard. My other guard on the NBA first team, Donovan Mitchell, 28 points per game, 4.4 assists, 48% from the floor, 38% from three. You just heard all these stats. And what he's doing for Cleveland has been absolutely great this year. That's my first team guards. My first team forwards. Jason Tatum. 21 or 30.3 points per game, excuse me. 8.9 rebounds, 4.6 assists. You just heard all these stats. Of course, he's top forward on all NBA first team. He's top five in the MVP race. My other forward, you probably can guess it, Giannis Antetokounmpo. All the stats you already know, 31.1 points per game. 11.8 rebounds, 5.6 assists per game, 55% from the field. And of course, Embiid, being my pick for MVP, has to be first team all center. You know the stats already. So my first team is Luka, Donovan Mitchell, Jason Tatum, Giannis, and Joel Embiid. Second team. This is where things get a little complicated, right? Second team guard, John Morant. Now, I know some people won't pick John Morant because of all the things that he's been through this year. But he still managed to play 59 games so far. So he'll probably finish with over 60 games played. 26.5 points per game. 8.1 assists. 
5.8 rebounds, shooting 46% from the floor, 75% from the free throw line. And Memphis does have the second best record in the Western Conference. Gotta give Ja respect for that. Other second team guard, Steph Curry. Just absolutely balling out this year. 29.5 points per game, 6.3 assists, 6.1 rebounds per game. Shooting 49% from the floor, 42% from three, 91% from the free throw line. It's the efficiency for me. Like, the dude is just absolutely phenomenal. The fact that the Warriors came in on the road is not on him. Like, not on him. That's absolutely bananas what he's doing this year. And without him, they wouldn't be in the playoffs, period. Period. So, shout out to Steph Curry as my second team guard. Now to the forwards. Jalen Brown. Some people might be surprised by that pick, but I'm going to have Jalen Brown on my second team. He's been the second best player on one of the best teams in the league all year. Very consistent. 26.7 points per game. 6.8 rebounds. Shooting 49% from the floor. 34% from three. 77% from the free throw line. He's also very good on defense. So Jalen Brown is my second team forward. My other forward on the second team. Jimmy Butler. I really like two-way players. Uh, Jimmy Butler this year in 62 games played. 22.8 points per game. 5.9 rebounds. 5.3 assists. 1.8 steals per game. Shot 53% from the floor and 85% from the free throw line on 8.7 free throw attempts per game. Crazy. And of course, second team center got to be Nikola Jokic. No-brainer right there. For my second team, I have John Morant, Steph Curry, Jalen Brown, Jimmy Butler, and Nikola Jokic. Now for my third team. This one was tough. I even had to go to Twitter to get some recommendations. Like, this one was tough. My first guard, Darren Fox. Some people might be surprised by that. Some people don't have Darren Fox in their All-NBA. But I feel like what he's done this year, especially he's going to be the winner for the most clutch award this year. 25.2 points per game. Leading the league in fourth quarter points or clutch points in the fourth quarter. 6.1 assists per game. 4.2 rebounds. Shooting 51% from the floor. 77% from the free throw line. Absolutely beasting out for the third best team in the Western Conference. In the Sacramento Kings. My second guard on the All-NBA third team. Was dropping jumpers like it was high all season. <laughs> Damian Lillard, 32.2 points per game. God forgive me, I'll just be amusing myself. Uh, 7.3 assists, 4.8 rebounds per game. Shot 46% from the floor, 37% from three. Understand he only played 58 games, and he's not going to play any more games this year. He's been shut down. But those stats, you can't ignore them. You can't ignore what he's doing this year. Absolutely beasting. Best season of his career, stats-wise. Gotta give credit to Damian Lillard. Absolute monster. Now it's time for the forwards. This first one might surprise some people, but I'm going Jaron Jackson Jr. on my third team. 18 points per game, 6.8 rebounds per game, shot 50% from the floor, 35% from three, led the league in blocks, and is my defensive player of the year. That means something to me, so he's my third team forward. My other forward, Julius Randle. Yes, Julius Randle, 25.1 points per game, 10 rebounds per game, 4.1 assists, 45% from the floor, 34% from three, 
75% from the free throw line. Third team center, DeMontis Sabonis, 19.2 points per game. Led the league in rebounds at 12.4 rebounds per game, 7.2 assists, crazy. 61% from the floor, 36% from three. Doesn't shoot three that often, but when he does, obviously it's good shot selection. 75% from the line. So my third team is De'Aaron Fox, Damian Lillard, Jaron Jackson Jr., Julius Randle, and DeMontis Sabonis. Some of the players I struggle with, James Harden, you know, double-double with points and assists all year, balling for the third best team in the Eastern Conference. It was tough to leave him out, but I couldn't put him over Damian Lillard having that type of year. Devin Booker, he's only played 51 games so far, and Phoenix definitely has had an up-and-down season. But now, with Kevin Durant in the lineup, they've been undefeated, so that's scary come playoff time. But I couldn't get him into my All-NBA teams this year. Uh, Pascal Siakam, Toronto's just been meh all season, so it's tough for me to get him in there as well. Uh, Adebayo, right? My guy, it was tough to get him as the third best center. Demar Sabonis, even though Bam Adebayo is miles better than him defensively, like miles better. Offensively, what Sabonis has been doing for Sacramento is hard to overlook, so I had to have him as the third best center, third team center this year. This one was tough, man. There's so much talent in the NBA right now. And think about the players who would have made this team if they played more games. LeBron James didn't play enough games this year. Kevin Durant didn't play enough games this year. Uh, Kyrie Irving got traded. The team tanked pretty much after he got there, so it's hard to put him on the list. Like so many talented players in the NBA right now. This was tough. I'm going to give you my all-NBA teams one more time. Luka. Donovan Mitchell, Jason Tatum, Giannis Antetokounmpo, and Joel Embiid make up my first team. Second team, Steph Curry, John Morant, Jalen Brown, Jimmy Butler, Nikola Jokic. Third team, Darren Fox, Damian Lillard, Jaron Jackson Jr., Julius Randle, and DeMontis Sabonis. Man, one more week left in the NBA season. This last week is crazy when the Western Conference. East is pretty much kind of set, but Western Conference is nuts. My Pelicans are in the eighth spot right now, but we could find ourselves in as high as five. That's how crazy it is right now by the end of this week. So tomorrow I'm going to be locked in to NBA action. We got Sacramento. That's going to be a tough game. But then it's followed by Memphis. But both of those teams are kind of set as far as their playoff season. Maybe they don't, they don't want to play their guys. We don't know. We'll see. You know, Golden State, will they try to make sure they avoid the play-in? The Clippers, no PG. The Lakers right there. Like, it's nuts right now, man. And next week, we're going to be previewing the play-in, playoffs, all that good stuff. Maybe I'll bring a guest on. That was my New Year's resolution to have more guests. And I did a decent job. I've had more guests this year. But I got to continue that trend. So maybe I'll try to get a guest on for the playoff preview. Hopefully you enjoyed this episode. Check me out on social media at the Real Deal WDA. I'm mostly active on Twitter. Uh, TikTok, I'll drop some videos every now and again. But Twitter is where you really see me active each and every day. Uh, make sure you follow the brand Rush and New York Giants Rush. Uh, Nikki Jess 9384 my co-host on Rush Hour. 
guys are doing a good job over there and you're going to be getting content writing content very very soon over there boxing basketball football all that good stuff and until next time go real or go home and make sure you leave me a five-star rating don't be heartless like this beat <laughs>